0: Is my Spanish perfect? Far from it, in fact. Will it ever be perfect? Not likely. Does my imperfect Spanish keep me from speaking? ¿Estás loco? Absolutamente no. In fact, I suspect my Mexican friends are a bit astounded by the fearless way Spanish comes out of my mouth. They quietly correct all of my mistakes in their heads, and the conversation flows. Language is for communicating. Whether a person speaks well or poorly is immaterial. The question is, are we communicating? Now, you and I have all been stopped on the street by tourists from another country who need directions, right? This is a pretty common occurrence. Less so with cell phones, sadly. Whether the person is Chinese or Turkish or Colombian, when this happens, we have no expectations that they speak perfect English. Often with just a few words or some hand gestures, we can help the person find what they are looking for. An interaction like this, in an interaction like this, no one worries about how well English is spoken or not. English is not the goal. Communication is. Yet there are times when people are so certain that they have nothing in common with another person that they tell themselves it would be fruitless to talk to them. We sometimes avoid communication with someone because we are convinced that we would not understand them literally and figuratively. We give up before we try. It is morning in an ordinary restaurant in Mexico. Me and a few friends are seated at a table with menus in Spanish, figuring out what to eat for breakfast. I'm helping my non-Spanish-speaking friends decipher their various options. From the corner of my eye, I can see a little commotion among the servers. They are trying to figure out Who is brave enough to take an order from this group of gringos? (laughs) Finally, a woman comes over with a pad of paper. Let me find my place here. In my very best Spanish, I begin to order breakfast, something that I have done in Mexico many times. She looks at me blankly. I repeat myself. She still does not understand. So I try a third time, slower. (laughs) Then she realizes she understands me perfectly and that I actually know what I'm doing. She starts to write. The spell is broken. My friends also stumble through their breakfast orders with me helping a little bit to clarify what they really want to eat. The server is doing just fine by now. She understands us all. As she walks away from the table, A smile breaks out on her face. She has just communicated with a table full of Americans and has lived to tell. (laughs) I smile too. I know what has happened to her in this interaction because it has happened to me. She was so convinced that she would not understand us, that she in fact didn't understand us. It was only after we all patiently worked on communication that she saw beyond our foreignness to the ways that we were just hungry humans. So much of this life calls us to just get over ourselves and try again. There is so much practice needed to be the human beings that we want to be, and so very many mistakes. Often, we do not do as we would like. We do just the opposite. We are not always kind. We are not always patient. We can be rude and insensitive. We can be self-centered and suspicious. And when we have failed, we dust ourselves off and try again. This being human takes lots and lots of practice, a lifetime's worth, in fact, And being noble, civic-minded human beings is the very best goal there is. Our world does not need fame and celebrity. It does not need more narcissistic, dangerous leaders. Our world needs humans just like you and me to be the kindest, gentlest, most compassionate beings that we can be. For it is the bonds of society that will save us, It is the strength of community that will save us. It is love that will bring about peace. And in the end, only peace can save our earth. Timothy Snyder, a historian of authoritarian regimes, worries that Americans have seen liberal democracy as our inevitable future for so long that we are unprepared to respond to the possibility of an authoritarian figure. It is not enough to believe that all will be well, he insists. We have to practice shaping the society we want and resisting the kind of society we do not. Commenting on Snyder's book titled On Tyranny, Stephanie Paulsell, who teaches the practice of ministry studies at Harvard Divinity School, writes... Some of the practices Snyder commends are grounded in the public sphere. Defend institutions, practice ethical conduct within your profession, be active in voluntary organizations. But many are grounded in private life. For example, he encourages the practice of making eye contact and small talk with people we encounter in the course of daily life. What people who were vulnerable under repressive regimes remember later, he says, is how their neighbors treated them. During the purges in Eastern Europe or Nazi Germany, a greeting or a handshake meant a great deal. Such gestures made those who were vulnerable to the violence of the regime feel safer. But when their neighbors averted their eyes, when they met or crossed the street to avoid them, these same people felt more fearful. And with good reason, he says. People who are isolated in society are much easier for authoritarian regimes to harm than those who are held, seen, and remembered in community. Making eye contact and exchanging greetings are practices by which we recognize each other's humanity, and knit each other into a shared life. One of the best places we all have to practice for the society we want is this very congregation. Here at church, we can assume the best intentions in others. Here at First Parish, we get to practice how we would like to be in the wider world. We get to try new things here We get to bring our whole selves here. We get to teach our children manners and civility here. We get to make mistakes here. Here we know we will be forgiven. Here we can try again. There is nothing more beautiful than the way a loving congregation can change shrill, demanding, and thoughtless people. I have seen it many, many times, and it's part of what keeps me in ministry. Once a congregation is healthy enough to not resort to shrill and demanding practices itself, it can absorb difficult people and help them change in ways that they long for. A healthy congregation is like a human body with a healthy immune system. It's not that the body doesn't fall ill from time to time. It's that germs and viruses do not cripple it. When a manipulative person comes to a healthy congregation, one of two things will happen. Either the person will sense that the healthy system will not tolerate their their disruption and they will leave, or... They will be gently absorbed into the health, changing for the better themselves. A shrill, unhappy congregation full of discord will attract more disruptive people. A stable, loving congregation will give disruptive people who want to change a space in which to become healthy. In my years here at First Parish, I have seen our congregation become steadily healthier and healthier in this regard. It is not the same congregation that I came to serve six years ago. It is amazing what we are doing together. Much of the anxiety is gone. This place feels different. Old hurdles have been moved out of the way. People are kinder and friendlier. I see you all hugging each other much more. New members find us and stay. Together we are practicing for the society that we want. So how do we consciously practice here at First Parish? There is nothing accidental about what I am trying to do as your spiritual leader. I have seen this congregation change for the better And I want to see even more. I am your sports coach. I am your music teacher. I am your dance instructor. I am your theater director. I want you to be the best athlete, the best musician, the best dancer, the best thespian you can be. And like the old joke asks, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. It is your love for this place and for each other that will make First Parish in Concord even more of a force for good in the world. What we do here and how we are with one another here will determine how we are in the wider world. If we are peaceful here, we can create a peaceful world out there. If we are patient and kind here, we can create a patient, kind world. If we are loving and compassionate here, love and compassion will grow in the world too. Here is where we get to practice for the society that we want. And all the practice helps tremendously. In our responsive reading by Kenneth Patton, we proclaimed, This house is a house of friendships, a haven in trouble, an open room for the encouragement of our struggle. What we do here will not always be neat and tidy. We will all experience troubles. We will all have our struggles. Friendships will save us over and over again. This is a house of prophecy, outrunning times past and times present in visions of growth and progress This house is a cradle of our dreams, the workshop of our common endeavor. Kenneth Patton does not promise a congregation already complete. He does not offer something static and unchanging. He does not delude us that the work will be free of conflict and struggle, just the opposite. He rightly calls congregation the workshop of our common endeavor. This is where we get to practice being the humans that we want to be in the world. This is where we get to try on forgiveness, pardoning and asking for pardon. This is where we get a second chance and a third chance and a 33rd chance. You are not some accidental gathering of people. You are a community community. You belong to one another and to me. We are all in this together, and we are strengthened by our love. When the server brings our breakfast over, she is all smiles and small talk. Where are we from, she asks in Spanish. Place names emerge The talk of how cold it is in the United States as well. It's not just me speaking. Everybody around the table can tell her where they are from. Are you on vacation? Yes, and the plans for the day and talk of what we have already seen expand the conversation. We ask for more coffee and the hotter salsa. She gladly gets these for us. As we tuck into our huevos rancheros and our molletes, approving looks from the Mexicans at the tables around us tell us that we are doing just fine. The whole restaurant is no longer divided between nationals and foreigners. A little Spanish and a lot of goodwill have turned this breakfast spot, at least for this beautiful moment, into community. We are strangers no more. The spell will break as soon as the meal is over. But for this wonderful hour, everything we have been practicing for has paid off. This is the society we want. We are happy and content. We will return to this feeling as often as we can. May it be so for you as well. So be it. Amen.